This evening, we're looking at Psalm 20 again. Um, The title for this evening's sermon is Confidence in God's Salvation. Confidence in God's Salvation. The two points this evening, the first is that true worshippers put their confidence in God. Why? To satisfy their heart's desire. And secondly, true worshippers put their confidence in God to save his anointed. This morning, we looked at the, at verses, the first three verses of Psalm 20, and we saw the people of God cry out to God for the protection of the King of Israel, and David as we know it to be. And from those verses, it's not immediately clear that they are praying for the King. However, verses 6 and 9 give us clarity on this. Uh, we read verse 6, which reads, Now I know that the Lord saves is anointed. And verse 9 reads, O Lord, save the king. And so we'll come back to these verses um, um, in a moment, but we want to examine verses 4 to 5, first of all. And this first point is that true worshippers put their confidence in God to satisfy their heart's desire. As we discussed earlier, uh, confidence is a big deal for each and every one of us. Our confidence uh, to perform well in an interview um, can vary based on our preparations or actually sometimes just our general character in dealing with high-pressure situations. So you know when you have high confidence that your performance level is, is, is usually matched by success. Not all the time, but there is this sort of correlation that occurs. But how different is it to be confident in someone other than yourself. It's not so easy. There are many variables that are different. A leader has to delegate at work. Mothers need to delegate to fathers to look after the babies for one hour, possibly. All right? Just one hour, that's all, or two. You can control yourself to some degree. However, when we give others a task to do, often we find it easier to do it ourselves, don't we? We find it easier to do it ourselves, not because we don't trust them, but because we put more confidence in our own ability um, to get the job, the job done, done, so to speak, than to leave any room for error. And we all suffer from this from time to time. Uh, this psalm, though, teaches us how we should grow in confidence in God's salvation. It begins with, with uh, us being a true worshipper. Uh, This Psalm of David is about a congregation of Yahweh's people, the Lord, how the Lord has revealed himself. He is the covenant-keeping God of Israel. And he's calling his people um, to come to him in prayer. And they pray that the Lord would save the king. Now, only those who have a true relationship with the living God can have true confidence in him. I wonder if this evening you have true confidence in God? Are you looking to him in order to order your steps, even as you go into this new year? Or are you trying to live your life the way you want it to go? Let's continue where we left off off this morning in Psalm 20. This morning I said that the purpose of the people's prayer was for the king, for King David, in relation to the battle, the war that he was to face and engaging. And so verse 7 describes to us that some trust in chariots 
and some in horses, but their trust, these people's trust, was in the name of the Lord. So this, we understand, is during the time of war. They prayed as a show of support to the king. And, of course, knowing that the king's victory would be just as much as their own victory. So they called upon God, their God, our God, who keeps promises. And so in Genesis 35, verse 3, we're reminded when Jacob, they called upon the God of Jacob. But this is the Jacob who set up an altar unto the Lord, his covenant God, who answered him on his day of distress. And so we're reminded that the Lord that has spared Jacob is the God that, who keeps promises and they also are calling out to him. And so they press on um, praying for the king. And what do they pray in verse 4 to 5? They say this. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill your, all your petitions. Oh, I would need others to pray for us in every season of life, most especially in hard times. Before we continue, I want to show you what type of man David was. You see, in, in 2 Samuel 5, we're told of how David fought, how he fought his battles. In verse 18 of that second Psalms, chapter 5, when the Philistines came to attack Israel, the Bible mentions in verse 19 that David, David inquired of the Lord. He called out to God in prayer. He said, shall I go up against the Philistines? He asked God. Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. See, David's reaction to trouble was to pray to God. God gave him victory, but he called out to God for that victory. The Philistines came again, as we read in that second Samuel. It goes to show that there are battles that are won, but then there are more to come sometimes. And sometimes there are waves or battles that do come. And it's not that we don't receive victory, but the Lord would have us persist. And so David continues to inquire of God again and again. And then the Lord says, you shall not go up. Go around to the rear and come against the opposite, them opposite the balsam trees. And what did David do? David did as the Lord had commanded and struck down the Philistines. Did David trust God by depending and having confidence in God? listening and waiting on the Lord in prayer, looking for direction and his plans, his purposes. And so time and time again, David inquired of the Lord and obeyed his commands. And so this, let's, this, let's let this inform us as we read and we look through Psalm 20 verses 4 to 5. We see three things here. The people prayed that God would grant and satisfy the king's heart's desire but also to fulfill number two to fulfill all his plans and finally and fulfill all his petitions so firstly they prayed for the king's desire this was not a prayer for God to grant any old desire but rather they were asking they were submitting to the Lord 
We know the king submitted to God because he was following his command to go to war. That's very important. David wasn't just going to war to fight anybody. This was God commanding him to go to war. And so the king had already offered and made offerings and burnt sacrifices on the eve of the battle, as we saw earlier this morning in verse 3. His heart is already one of worship of his maker. The people had the confidence to request that God give the heart's desire, the king's heart's desire, as he obeys the will of God. See, the king's heart's desire is not against the will of God, but in accordance with it. So that's the first thing we see. But secondly, the prayer continues in verse 4, that God may fulfill the king's plan. And at the end of verse 5, they ask, may the Lord fulfill all your petitions. See, the expectation is that the king will make plans, as we do, but make strategies to defeat opponents. But both the king's heart's desire and his plans are brought before the one with all authority. And thirdly, we see that even the king brings his petition before the almighty God. That's why the people ask that the Lord would fulfill his petitions. We said this morning that even the greatest of people need God to answer them. We don't, God, does, God answers our prayers. He doesn't answer to us. So we've seen the king's heart desire, his plans and his petitions. But before we move on, we can't miss the beginning of verse 5. It says, the people sing, they say, may we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of God, our, our God, set up our banners. We see a, a confidence here in the Lord. The people had confidence in God to save the king. They were already looking forward to the, to the victory that the Lord would give to the king. So the word salvation here is one of protection in battle. And so it's slightly different from how we use salvation now in, in saved in Christ. But if salvation is that the king will be protected. Who are you pay, placing your confidence in this, this evening? The Bible says that when the goodness of God and loving kindness of God appeared in Christ Jesus, he saved us. He saved us. We put our confidence not in man, but in God. Are you calling out to God for anything this evening? Do you have confidence in God to pray for others? Are you praying for yourself? Are you praying for others in times of trouble? We often say we will. That's the one thing we do say. I'll pray for you. Sometimes time passes and we don't persist or commit to what we've said. This was a battle of charge or be charged, freedom or captivity. And likewise, we, we should be placing our confidence in God no matter the situation or circumstance. This is the same if we are the ones in trouble or someone else is in trouble. We should put no confidence in anyone else but in the name of God. His steadfast love, his faithfulness, his goodness, and specifically here, a mighty God of salvation who comes to his people's rescue and helps them from his holy sanctuary and gives support from Zion. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God, set up our banners. These people are praising God. 
They are praising God. They, they plan to praise God even before he has come to their aid. They are seeking their joy in the Lord already, even as they commit their ways to him. They were going to take no confidence in their own ability in prayer or performance of the king, but rather that the Lord's name be praised. See, this speaks of their faith in God. Their faith in God Almighty to come through for the king. They looked forward to shouting for joy over the king's salvation. They were people of faith. The conviction of things not yet seen. When we pray, brothers and sisters, we should pray with the eye of faith. Fully convinced that if we ask God anything according to his will, he will hear us. See, these people, they plan to give God praise when the Lord answered their petition. So the people also prayed that they would shout for joy at the salvation of the king. See, we're not told how they would shout for joy here, but it's telling that they would find their joy in him, in God, and they would rejoice in him. See, God is the object of all ultimate joy. But yet they were looking forward to this joy. And so it's, it's, it's a thing for us as well. As we pray, there's a sense of faith that the Lord would answer us according to his will. But even rejoicing in the answered prayers before they come. That's what faith does. Are you looking forward to that future joy of answered prayers? Do you delight yourself in the Lord? Loving him. Looking forward to his purposes, his will, however different it may look from what we think should happen. These people also, they set up banners. They, they were praying that they would set up banners in the name of our God, they say. And throughout history, we know that uh, the flags and banners are, are customary for armies you know, who have taken um, territory and conquered towns and they will set up flags and banners. And we see in verse 5 that God's people seek not only to shout for joy, but to set up a banner in the name of their God of salvation. They sought to celebrate the future victory that the Lord would give the king, to testify to the name of God and his salvation. They sought, they were already thinking about the witness to others, to witness to, to others what the Lord had done and give him all the glory he rightly deserves. This is what we should be like as we seek God in prayer, that God would grant us joy by his deliverance. Praying for others is not only a blessing to them, but a blessing to us who are offering those petitions on behalf of our brothers and sisters. We see that it, might, it, is, it is right to pray for those God has put in authority. These people are praying for their king. How else will they succeed in the task put before them? Are you praying for your leaders? Children, are you praying for your parents? Wives, are you praying for your husband? Are we praying for one another? See, when the Lord grants your heart's desire fulfills your plans and petitions. It's not because you have performed well or earned your right to have your prayers answered. Rather, God answers prayers according to his 
purposes. So our desires are often misplaced. We don't ask, and so we don't receive. But when we ask, we ask amiss. We ask for things that are not so, so godly. Or even if they are, it's with the wrong motive. So in order for you to have confidence in God, you need first to find your place in his great plan. Too often we want God to fit our own plans. As we plan for 2024, it's like, how does God fit into what I have on agenda? Rather, we should be asking, Lord, what would you have me do for you? Put God at the centre. Our lives must orbit around God. He is, his plan must be central. His, his, his way, his people must be central to that. See, we are satisfied not necessarily when we get what we want or have requested from God. Rather, satisfaction comes when we are living within the guardrails of God's plan and purpose. Trust me, when, when, we, when we seek certain things in life and we think that that's the very thing that will satisfy us, when, we, when you get it, you know how it is. It's like, it's never enough. But when we're living within the guardrails of what God has a portion for us and what he plans for us, there is joy in that because God has met our very need. And we don't often know what we need, but the Lord does. See, when Jesus was to face his day of trouble, so to speak, how did he pray? Well, firstly, as we saw this morning, he asked his disciples to watch and pray with him. But their weakness revealed a lack of confidence in God. Praylessness is a lack of confidence in God. When we do not pray, we lack confidence. Jesus in John 17, having given this final instruction to disciples before he was betrayed, arrested and crucified, prays for himself, then prays for his disciples, and then prays for you and I as believers. Listen to what Jesus says. I glorified you, verse 4 of John 17. I glorified you on earth, he's saying to the Father, having accomplished the work that you gave to me to do. See, Jesus' chief concern and desire was fulfilling the work the Father had sent him to do. And so in verse 6, he says, I have, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Jesus was not egotistic. He was not self-absorbed. He was, look, he was looking not only for his interest, but the glory of God. He glorified God in his person and his works. See, when you desire to glorify God and obey him, even when you face trouble or difficulties in life, God will satisfy every longing to do his will by strengthening every resolve to turn to him and to trust him and to put your confidence in him. Is God at the center of your requests? Is God truly at the center of your prayers? It's good to examine our hearts frequently. What do my prayers reveal about how I'm living? If there's no prayer, then that's obvious. But if you're praying, what are you praying about? Because that reveals where your heart is at and your relationship with the Lord. Are you bringing your petitions to God and putting your confidence in his will? Are you seeking God's glory at the end of it all? Or is it me? Or do your plans revolve around your name, your ego, your praise, your glory? 
Let us examine our hearts this evening. True worshippers put their confidence in God to satisfy their heart's desire that's according to God's will. That's our first point this evening. In verse 4 to 5, we've seen that the prayer of God's people for God to answer the plans and prayers for the earthly king. But our second point this evening is that true worshippers put their confidence in God to save his anointed True worshippers put their confidence in God to save his anointed. Throughout this psalm so far, we've seen the people offering their prayer to God. And they're saying, may the Lord answer you. May the Lord protect you. May he send you help. May he remember your offerings. May he grant your heart's desires. May we shout for joy over your salvation. May the Lord fulfill all your purposes. But when we arrive at verse 6, we read, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. Imagine with me the congregation in in their support of the king, surrounding him possibly the eve before the battle. The king is attentive to their prayers or he hears of their prayers through someone else. He may be in their midst, right? But the king responds with great confidence. This is the king now speaking. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. See, King David, as we believe him to be the king here, says with full assurance and certainty that the Lord saves his anointed. This is the person God has anointed as king. See, the confidence of the king resides in the knowledge of God. The king not only trusts the Lord, but has confidence in him. Why? Why do we mention this? Why do I mention this? Well, David knew God. He knew his character. He knew his purposes, so he could say with assurance that the Lord saves his anointed. See, his experience of God gave him the confidence that God would protect him and answer him in the day of trouble. But furthermore, because he is God's anointed, he had the confidence of God's abiding presence and protection. See, as God's people, you do not need to fear when the murky waters of sorrow and despair and trouble arise. Why? Because, as the hymn writer says, your armour is, is armour for this battle strong enough to last the war. God has said he will deliver you safely to the golden shores. God keeps his people in every situation of life. How does God save his anointed? First, verse 6 tells us he will answer him from his holy heaven with saving might of his right hand. See, this ties in with verse 2, where the congregation prayed, may he send you help from the sanctuary. So the sanctuary is God's holy dwelling, or the holy presence of God. God answers his anointed from his holy heaven, and his righteous hand saves him. God's mighty right hand denotes his power, his powerful might to save in trouble, to guide and to keep and to protect. So the Lord, strong and mighty, has all authority and power to protect his own. The psalmist says with full confidence in the heart of this psalm, look at verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. So notice the reference to our God. They related to God as 
their God? How are you relating to God? Are you near enough to say, He is my God. My God is for me, not against me. My Lord is my fortress and my help in time of need. They related to God as their God. Not some force or distant being or impersonal God, but a God who is with them and for them. God who has revealed his power, his presence and precepts and governs his people with steadfast love. God's people follow these commandments to the kings. You know, God had said to them, especially to the kings, not to acquire many horses. And thus their trust was firmly placed in God and not the means of which they could win the battles with the horses and chariots. But they trusted in the name of God, not in physical means of warfare. But they called upon their God. And so the result is evidence of God's saving help. The nations who trusted in chariots and horses collapse and fall, we see in verse 8. But God's people rise and stand upright. What a stark contrast. Our God is the one worthy of all your trust, all your confidence, all your plans, all your worship. The name of God in particular is dependable. God is dependable. When you hear the name Heinz, that's dependable. You trust the tomato ketchup. When you hear Coca-Cola, that's dependable. You know what you're going to get. But if I said Boris or Matt Hancock, they're not, they're not so dependable, are they? God can be trusted. You can have full confidence in God. His name is dependable. Because his character, his person, his work is dependable. You can have confidence in God. God will never allow his name to be tarnished. Finally, in verse 9, the people cry out again, O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. See, they had confidence in God to save the king and therefore to save them also. That's very important. Not just to save the king, but whilst the king is being saved, he's actually saving them. And over and over again, we see in the Psalms, salvation, the word salvation and save being repeated. The Lord saves is anointed, not with swords and spears, but as he demonstrates, as the king demonstrates trust and confidence in God's righteous right hand and holy presence. Why? God is holy. God is righteous. He defeats and conquers nations for his people. He overcomes evil and saves his people. There are times we do forget, don't we? We forget that our Lord is a Lord of hosts. Our God is a mighty God. A man of war. And the Bible says he will by no means allow the wicked to escape. God saves his anointed. Now we know that the Lord did save the king. The question is, did the, did the Lord save him or not? But if you, the homework this evening will be to read Psalm 21. And you will see that the Lord did save the king. And so we remember this, that true worshippers put their confidence in God to satisfy their heart's desire. And that God's people put their confidence in God to save his anointed. 
How should these two truths impact you in the course of your life, today and as you enter into this new year? See, God commanded David to wage war against other nations, as he did with Saul and as he did with Joshua. And we are not under theocracy today. So we're not facing the reality of physical warfare in this way. But some of us, we certainly aren't built for physical warfare. I certainly am not. But each day we face war. Every time we wake up, there is a spiritual war to fight. In this world of sin and with the presence of evil, there are many battles to be fought. Each day is a day of trouble for each and every one of us. The tide of sin is unrelenting. The devil and his agents are looking to steal, to kill and to destroy our joy. The evil one does not want you to overcome your battle with sin. And since the original sin, when Adam and Eve fell into temptation and disobeyed God, they lost fellowship with him. And you and I, we lost fellowship with our maker. And that's, it. that's how it is if you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You have no fellowship with your maker. You have no fellowship with the true king of kings. And so if you are here today and don't know the Lord Jesus as God, as Lord over your life, as king, if you, have, you can't have no confidence in him, in this life, and certainly no confidence in the life to come. See, the biggest battle you face is not your career or your health or your in-laws. Your greatest battle is, can you obey your maker? Can you obey your maker? So your day of trouble on earth does not compare to the infinite days of trouble ahead in eternal torment. Those who are subject to him are on his side. Are you on the Lord's side or not? Is the question. That's what this life is about. Are you with the Lord or not? If you're not with the Lord, it's a day of reckoning to face your maker. God who created you has sent forth his loving kindness, however. He has sent forth his loving kindness and goodness in the person of Jesus who has come to save sinners. Would you not turn to him and know and put your confidence in no other but Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, the Bible reveals God as a righteous and holy God who hates sin. And those who practice sin, well, sin is lawlessness. But Jesus came to take away our sins. And so if you continue in your sin, you stand as a law unto yourself. And you prove that you are of the devil as he has been sinning from the beginning. But Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is the true anointed king and saviour. See, King David and other kings are but shadows of the true king, our Lord and saviour. The everlasting king who died on the cross of Calvary for your sins. But he rose again and conquered death, conquered the enemy, conquered sin. He alone can save you. Why don't you come to him? Jesus can save you. Our prayer this evening is may we shout for joy over your salvation. May you know the lordship and salvation of the king of kings. See, brothers and sisters, how should you approach this new year? That's fast approaching. Well, firstly, rejoice. Rejoice in the knowledge that God saves his anointed. Jesus, for his joy and therefore your joy, he endured the cross. 
He despised the shame. In agony, he climbed the mountain of trouble for you and me. He received his father's wrath for our sake. His heart's desire, his plans and petitions were never, never derailed. Unlike you and I. The Lord truly saved his anointed in Jesus Christ so that you and me can be eternally saved. So we can shout for joy over one another for the Lord has paid our ransom and is bringing us to glory. See, rejoice that you are his own possession. You are a royal priesthood. You are his anointed. He has anointed you and I as his children. If we are his children, we're therefore heirs of his kingdom. What a great privilege. Fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Well, secondly, we need to inquire of the Lord. Pray and seek his face. Inquire of the Lord regarding your heart's desires, your plans, your petitions. Do the same for others. Pray for those that are around you. Seek to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Do not be selfish in prayer. Pray, pray and pray some more in this year. God may not answer you according to your expectations, but he will grow your confidence in him. He will satisfy your heart's desire. Why? Because he will give you what you truly need. You see, King David fought the Philistines many, many times. Despite the victories, they would still come back, wave after wave. But the Lord grew David's confidence in him as he inquired of the Lord. See, don't miss what the Lord is doing in and through your troubles. He is growing you in ways that you could never grow other than in those times of difficulty. See, right up to when David was weak and old, he would engage in battle personally. But it came a time when he was so weak, he had faced many giants, but there was this one giant in his old age. We reckon he was maybe about 60 or 70 years old, and he was frail. And this giant was killed by his eldest, the eldest son of David's sister a military leader under David. The point is that we all need help. We all need people to stand with us. We all need people to pray for us. Even times of weakness will come. Despite our many victories we may, we may have won for every battle we face, there comes a time when we are weak. And sometimes we are weak in prayer. But we can call on our brothers and sisters to stand with us. But the battle is not us. The battle is the Lord's. Why don't you commit this year, this coming, to pray regularly for those in the church, to pray regularly for your neighbours, your family, your friends, saved and unsaved. Make a list. There's apps such as Prayer Mates. It's quite good to list your prayers because if we're being honest, we, there's so many people to pray for, you often forget when the time comes. Why not make a list so you can always refer back to it? Pray, pray, pray some more. Thirdly and finally, put your confidence in God, who has come to be with you in Jesus. Jesus came that very first Christmas. So you can trust that he's coming back again. You can trust that he's with you in every situation of life. He will never leave nor forsake you. You can trust that he is growing you he is working in your life and ask him to grow your confidence in him 
Yes, you trust him, but you need to continue to grow in trust. That's what confidence is. Trust him who has saved you and will answer you in the day of trouble. Don't lose hope, but say like the psalmist, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. So this evening we've looked at two points. True worshippers put their confidence in God to satisfy their heart's desire, but also true worshippers put their confidence in God to save his anointed. Let's thank the Lord who has made us his very own, his very own family, and that he is the true anointed king who has come to save his people. Praise be to God. Amen.